Hey there, and welcome to Are We Europe Readouts. Today we're reading a story from our latest print magazine, The Sports Issue. For some, sports is the stuff of nation-building, flags and hymns, blood, sweat and tears. To others, it is simple entertainment. What can sports tell us about who we are? Listen up to find out. My sister, the Capoeirista. How a sport developed by enslaved Africans in Brazil helped my sister find and keep her footing in Europe. By Sarah Sachs, read by Julie Simond. I'll always remember the first time I saw my sister compete. I stood in a sticky hall on the outskirts of Brussels, tucked away between the cafes serving fresh Moroccan mint tea and French croissant, watching Lila play capoeira. At the time, my sister had become so completely absorbed in the sport that she always seemed to be either coming from or going to training, a batijado from the Portuguese for baptism, referring to the first time a new student plays capoeira, or a workshop. The loud gym was crowded with bags and people and smelled of stale sweat. At the center of the hall, two men were flipping in the air, their legs and arms and heads painting dizzying whirlwinds. The other capoeiristas, dressed in white pants and t-shirts, formed a circle around them. They sang a call and response led by a massive Brazilian playing the berimbau, the one-stringed instrument so iconic to the sport. Who goes there? It's me. Who goes there? It's me. Playing the berimbau. Capoeira. It's me. Clapping on the side of the capoeira circle, the joda, my sister watched the game intently, sizing up the men, waiting to seize her moment. I saw her stretch her arm out, intersect the players, and almost just as suddenly disappear into the middle of the circle. She merged seamlessly into her opponent's movements with incredible speed and elegance, becoming indistinguishable from them except for her golden ponytail. The Art of Fighting People who see capoeira being performed for the first time often ask the same question. Is it a dance or a martial art? The music, percussion, rituals, and the way that players move elegantly around and with each other, their limbs and body parts rolling over one another like waves, gives its movements a dance-like aesthetic. And yet, the players are undeniably fighting and competing. The movements revolve around kicks and attacks. Players will break up slow rhythmic movements with a quick cabecera, a headbutt to an exposed abdomen. And they will strike each other with a bensao, a heel to the face, without ever actually touching. There's an abbreviated version of how capoeira came to be both fight and dance. It tells the story of slaves, forbidden from practicing martial arts, using samba circles to conceal their movements from the slave owners. When outsiders came to investigate, the players and the audience could quickly transition to actually dancing samba, therefore concealing the martial art within a dance form. But, as with most abbreviated forms of history, it is both true and too simplified. Scholars still argue about the origins of the sport, debating whether capoeira is an African sport that has been Brazilianized or a Brazilian sport with African roots. Accounts for a strong African origin of the game point towards West Africa. Angolan rites of passage, such as the zebra dance called Ngolo, include similar movements to those used in capoeira. Others emphasize its resemblance to the fighting games that developed in many different regions where enslaved people were brought. They locate its roots in the slave trade that forcefully moved millions of people from disparate parts of Africa. While the debate will probably never be settled, the style of movement, music, and structure of capoeira are fundamentally non-European, even if colonialism contributed to creating the conditions necessary for the sport to flourish. 
Capoeira is inseparable from Brazil's 300-year history of slavery. A game born from a forced diaspora, it was created out of a desire to make space for liberation in a sea of oppression, to create unity from disjuncture. It continues to connect and integrate people from different social classes, identities, races, and backgrounds today. Capoeira first arrived in Europe in the 60s and 70s with Brazilian dance companies and eventually gained footing in large Western European cities like Berlin and Paris in the 80s and 90s as Capoeira masters began migrating to Europe and setting up academies. By 2000, the year my sister and I moved to Germany, Capoeira had gone from a fledgling sport that was found in just a few large cities to a still relatively unknown but increasingly well-established sport, at least enough to have a presence in our small city of 140,000 people. In retrospect, watching my sister smoothly enter the Roda and disappear with such ease seemed like a premonition of what would follow. After my family moved to Germany from New Zealand, she fell in love with the sport a few months before her 17th birthday. Tossed into a new culture and language, Capoeira became her guide to navigating Europe, sleeping on gym floors and friends' couches from London to Warsaw to Brussels and beyond. Today, she is five-time reigning Capoeira champion of Germany four-time European champion and one-time world champion. She is also one of a handful of women in Europe to have obtained the purple-brown cord, one of the highest achievements in the game, and one of just two dozen women worldwide. Despite being five years younger than my sister and spending my formative years in Germany, I didn't quite find a space for myself there. I left for North America in 2009 and never really returned. But my sister, now married to a Brazilian with whom she has two German children, has stayed, finding her footing on this foreign continent inside of the Joda. More than just a sport, Capoeira gave her a sense of purpose and belonging, something she now shares with migrants and other marginalized groups in Germany. She is constantly expanding the circle outwards, creating, if only for a short period, a space of belonging. My family sold my childhood home in New Zealand in the year 2000, packed what would fit in a shipping container, and moved with my sister and myself to Germany. My father used to joke that if you dug a hole from our house in New Zealand straight through the middle of the earth, you would come out in Heidelberg, the quaint conservative city that was to become our new home. It felt very different from the quiet island we left, from the 14th century castle that stood majestically above the old town, to the new language and the invisible indents of a long history entwined with its European neighbours. I often wonder how different it must have been for my sister to immigrate to Germany. While on the surface our backgrounds are similar, born in the US, raised in New Zealand, and then in Germany, our relationships to these places are quite different. I moved to New Zealand as a baby and moved to Germany as an 11-year-old, my childhood and teenage years neatly split between two countries. My sister, on the other hand, moved to New Zealand when she was almost six and to Germany when she was 16, drawing a split with more jagged lines. She found a similar split in the first boy she fell for, Part Irish, part Australian, the gregarious 17-year-old who introduced my sister to Capoeira was, like her, a complicated mix of different cultures. In October, three months after we arrived in Germany, he took my sister to her first class held in the basement of a gym near our high school with everybody crammed into a stairwell singing songs in Portuguese. She recalls an older German man putting a tambourine into her hand and showing her how to play. He would later become her son's godfather. The first lesson was harder than the kickboxing she had done in New Zealand, and more complicated, the songs and instruments foreign. Lila was hooked. The boy soon left the picture, but Capoeira stayed. 
It became her solace and a space where she could be someone else for a few hours, not just the new girl struggling with the language. With just two years to finish high school exams and with minimal knowledge of German, my sister knew that it was crucial that she learn the language as fast as possible. She felt constantly on guard. Everyone wanted to practice their English with her, except, as she remembers, in capoeira training. There, she was just like everybody else. Just one of the many beginners grasping at the new moves, songs, music, and acrobatics. There, she felt united. She was no longer Lila, a Sanskrit word meaning play of the gods or divine play, the color purple in German and consistently mispronounced in English. Instead, she was given an apellido, a name that students get from their instructor early on and by which they are then known in the capoeira world. She became known as Lilas, lilac, a flower that symbolizes spring and renewal or rebirth. The hardest part about learning to play capoeira, according to my sister, is constantly having to learn and unlearn the movements. Students will spend months learning sequences, kick, duck, round kick, duck, jab, only to enter the joda and actively having to unlearn them. They have to be able to isolate each move and integrate it into whatever game they develop with their opponent. Scholars have suggested that rather than calling it a fight or a dance, capoeira at its core should be considered play. Similar to a children's playground, the joda is a place of creativity and imagination, an unstructured space set within the rigid order of the outside world. Inside of the circle, rules give way to improvisation, not unlike the other forms of music or art, such as jazz, that arose out of the institution of slavery. The similarities to learning a language are abundant. To speak, we use hundreds of different phrases composed of different types of words connected through an overlying structure, the most common being subject, verb, object. But as anyone who has learned a new language can attest, conversing requires far more than just mastering the grammar and vocabulary. It entails improvisation and creativity all within the bounds of that overlying structure. One has to understand the rules of the game as much as one has to enjoy playing it. One has to both learn the sequences and just as easily unlearn them in the act of conversation. But when one finally gets it, the feeling can be transformative. My sister remembers the first time she realized she spoke German. Sitting on a tram, reading a book, she found herself eavesdropping on the conversation of two people behind her. Instead of struggling to understand their words, she found herself doing the opposite, making an effort not to listen. Fundamentally, capoeira is about exchange, not just in terms of knowledge and songs and movements, but also between people. While capoeiristas will train under one master and generally belong to one association or academy, a central part of being one is traveling to attend baptisms, where players advance to the next chords or competitions, which are often accompanied by day-long workshops run by advanced capoeiristas. While for me, road and train trips with friends and school exchanges brought the continent to life, my sister experienced Europe through a series of sweaty halls, shared couches, and events marked by now-faded t-shirts. Mestrando Mobilia, in Munich, Germany, Instructor Preadomato in Lund, Sweden, Instructor Kuringa in Samara, Russia, the plain white cotton mementos had the logo of Abada, the largest capoeira school worldwide on the front, and a picture of the instructor or master on the back. Lila would stack them in a corner of her closet, the piles so large they constantly threatened to topple over. 
For most of my teenage years, it felt like my sister was either away at some workshop or hosting a consortium of capoeiristas at home. Our apartment in Heidelberg would fill up with a barrage of different languages and people, iconic white pants and coloured cords hanging off of all available surfaces, the ubiquitous pot of tuna pasta on the stove. Many mornings, I would come into the kitchen to a line of freshly showered and often extremely buff Brazilian men, perched awkwardly on my mother's tiny antique wooden chairs, looking like they might collapse at any minute. I love those times, the sense of camaraderie, the jokes, the laughter, the constant flirtation that charged the air. The companionship exists worldwide. My sister describes it like being part of some extended kinship system, a lineage that places one in a network of masters, instructors, and associations that continue to grow out into the world like a finely woven spiderweb. Its strength is a shared sense of trust. She remembers going to Spain in 2003 to train with a capoeira master who had just arrived from Brazil. There, she saw Puka, a woman she had met briefly at a training workshop in France the year before. She was invited to crash at her house for a few days and ended up staying four weeks. From Austria, Sweden, the Czech Republic, Greece, through to Canada and Israel, capoeira has opened doors to people and cultures in a way previously inconceivable to her. Like with so many other capoeiristas, the sport became a lifestyle, the center of Lila's life. She learned Portuguese and traveled to Brazil to conduct field research for her master's in anthropology. She split her time there between study and training, eventually becoming female world champion in 2009. And while she is proud of her achievements, her journey has not stopped there. One hot summer day in June 2012, an unusual group of people gathered at the central marketplace in Heidelberg. Guests in their wedding finery carried drums and single-stringed instruments and proceeded to form a circle next to the 13th century church, the Heiliggeistkirche. The Bedingbau's twang burst out, followed by drums as my sister and her husband, known to our family largely only by his capoeira name, Kao, entered the circle. Kao sang a capoeira song he had composed for my sister, a type of vow complete with a callback from the audience. When it finished, they briefly touched hands and entered into a small, grounded cartwheel, my sister in her wedding dress that my mother and I had fastened moments before with safety pins, and Cow in his suit and jacket, a purple flower pinned to his chest. The music swelled, and one after another, my sister's students entered the circle to swap out and play. Cow's eight-month pregnant sister stepped in, gracefully kicking her legs above her basketball-sized belly, her younger brother crouching on the ground below her. The roda is perhaps the most essential element of capoeira. Rather than the emphasis being on the players in the middle, as it is with most other sports from boxing through to tennis or fencing, the ring itself is just as important. You need people playing in the middle, but you also need to have people in a ring around them, my sister says. When either of them are not there, there is no capoeira. At the end of 2014, the capoeira circle was inscribed in the UNESCO representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. It explained, the capoeira circle is a place where knowledge and skills are learned by observation and imitation. It also functions as an affirmation of mutual respect between communities, groups and individuals, and promotes social integration and the memory of resistance to historical oppression. This emphasis on social integration guides the work that my sister does today. Through the Capoeira Association she founded with Cao, she has worked with migrants, people with disabilities, as well as with social workers helping marginalized groups. For her, the sport is diverse enough that there is always something for everybody. Somebody who might not be able to master the physical movements can become a good music player. 
someone else might not be good at fighting but can excel in the acrobatics. It's the sport's roots that speak to many. The fact that capoeira exists today has to do with migration and integration, says Cao, who first started practicing capoeira as a child in campus, the city outside of Rio de Janeiro, where he was born. It's people who were forced to migrate, people from different cultures, former enemies that had to create community, find commonalities and integrate their cultures. They ultimately made capoeira. More than a show of physical resistance, the sport is a powerful form of cultural resistance. It's a message that he sees resonating especially with people struggling with different forms of oppression, exclusion, and mandates to assimilate. In the Choda, one enters an unknown, unpredictable, and stressful situation, not unlike the experiences faced by many migrants who come to Europe. Often, when we are faced with uncomfortable situations, our reflex is fight or flight. But Capoeira teaches a third option, to stay and manage the situation, to improvise, to be creative, dance, and play. It goes beyond mastering one's own body and emotions. My sister talks about the kind of empathy required to play a good game. To play well, one needs to develop a keen awareness of the person on the other side, of their style, their mood, and their movements. I have seen my sister play what seems like a thousand times, yet every time I am still struck by the change that occurs when she steps into the Choda. Within that tangle of people, language and music, writhing bodies with all their different backgrounds and problems and worries, I see my sister waiting at the edge, ready to step into that space free of limitations to play. Ready to be nothing but a capoeirista. Did you like listening to this story? Dive into all our readouts from this issue or previous ones, or listen to our narrative Are We Europe stories wherever you get your earful of audio right now. And don't forget, you can also become an Are We Europe member and connect with storytellers and others across the continent starting at 4 euros a month. Just go to areweeurope.com slash member and help us build a new media for a changing continent. That's areweeurope.com slash member.